Over the past few weeks, we've been talking about our part in receiving God's favor. Today, we start part three, our calling. It begins with a chapter titled, Showing the Favor of God. Gary Wilkerson is the author of God's Favor and the president of World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners with biblical encouragement and thoughtful commentary. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you. Please consider joining our donors who believe in World Challenge's mission. You can do that on our website, worldchallenge.org. And now here's chapter 8, Showing the Favor of God, read by Jason Staples. A Favor Not Meant to End with Us We've talked about what it means to find God's favor. It's one of the great privileges we have as Christians to live under the blessed favor of the Creator of all things. Our Father opens a window from heaven and pours out on us His abundant, plentiful resources. Think about all the amazing things He supplies us with, sufficient for every area of life. Forgiveness, acceptance, grace, blessings, and power over the enemy. He does all this because He loves us so much. Because of God's favor, His people can be a happy people on the earth. All of that is God's part in the process. We've also talked about our part in the process of living in His favor, including the discipline needed to conquer our cynicism, the importance of taking a stand to change our family's destiny, the practice of raising our sights to trust in God's abilities, and knowing that He desires to give us all we need. All these things are given to us for a great kingdom purpose. You see, there's another great privilege offered to us, one that's equal to living in God's favor, and that is showing the favor of God to others. We aren't meant just to receive His favor and stop there. We are to take what God has given us and in joyful gratitude share it with someone else. What I'm talking about is a holistic lifestyle of showing God's favor. It's a life marked by looking for opportunities to demonstrate His amazing favor to others, in our marriage, with our children, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to the world around us. That's His plan behind all the blessings He gives us. We're to share them with the world to bring Him glory. What does it look like, exactly, to show God's favor? To show favor is to demonstrate heaven in awesome acts of love, Love that changes lives. Love displayed in ways large or small. You may ask, but doesn't God demonstrate heaven through His presence in prayer meetings? Of course He does. When someone stands and gives a prophecy? Absolutely, yes. When a powerful sermon convicts the heart? No question. When we stand together in unified worship? Without a doubt. Yet when we take His lavish love into the world around us, to our job, our school, our neighbor's house, even our own family, we demonstrate Heaven's power at work on earth. I love repeating a story that my father liked to tell on himself. To me, it shows how a Christian can move from the immense joy of finding God's favor to the even deeper joy of showing His favor to others. My parents were on vacation in Florida while my dad was taking a brief sabbatical from pastoring at Times Square Church. He'd been a pastor for a few years, and the role kept him so busy 
that he felt a growing need to take time off to spend in God's presence. So while my mom spent time shopping or lying on the beach, Dad spent his time in their hotel room praying. He was hungry for intimacy with God, so he spent four, five, six hours a day solely in prayer. It was a great, refreshing time for him. He felt his burdens lifting and the joy returning to his heart. He benefited so deeply from those times of prayer that he began to think, I can't believe the difference in my soul. Could this be what Moses experienced when he was on the mountain with God? Is it possible for the Lord's glory to settle on a person the way it did with Moses? When he came down from the mountain, the people were barely able to look at him because of the powerful glow of God's glory. The Jewish tradition has a word for that visible glow of glory. It's Shekhinah. Dad wondered, does the Lord's Shekhinah glory actually shine forth from us if we spend enough time in His presence? One evening, my parents dined out after another of my dad's marathon days of prayer. As he and mom told each other about their day, they noticed that a certain server kept walking by their table. Each time she passed by, she took a long look at my father's face. See, I knew it, dad whispered to mom. She's seeing the Shekhinah glory on me. The next time the server came by, she realized my parents noticed her long glances. So she finally summoned the courage to walk over. I'm sorry, I know I'm not your waitress, but I have to ask you something, she said. Then she leaned over the table, took a long look at dad and said, Are you Hugh Hefner? If you don't know who Hugh Hefner was... I'd be proud to say I'm your pastor. Hefner was the founder of Playboy magazine. That was always the punchline to my dad's story, but I've taken the liberty to add a second part to the story. When we lived in Texas during my growing up years, my mom and dad took us on a family vacation one summer to the mountains of Colorado. We stopped to have lunch at a diner somewhere along the way, and my dad got into a conversation with our server. She looked to be about college age, when Dad found out she was a Christian, he asked what she planned to do with her life. She answered that she'd just been accepted to college and was working to save up money for the fall semester. I'm going to a school in Missouri, she said. It's called Central Bible College. Have you heard of it? Heard of it? My dad had attended there. It was also where I would go to college a few years later. I'd never seen my father do this before, but when the server disappeared to bring our dessert, he took a paper napkin and wrote this message on it. I want to pay the tuition for your first two years of college. Here's my secretary's number. Call her, then read this message on the napkin. She'll arrange it all for you. When the server returned, my dad pushed the napkin across the table to her. She picked it up curiously, and we all watched as her eyes darted from line to line in the note. Finally, she buried her face in her hands and burst into tears. She was so happy. I'm convinced... The expression we all saw on that young server's face was God's Shekhinah glory. My father demonstrated God's favor, a favor he himself had known, and it found its ultimate purpose in another person's life. That kind of gesture would be a huge sacrifice for most of us, but even a small gesture can demonstrate God's glory when we show his favor to others. I believe my dad was tuned in completely to the Holy Spirit when he offered that gift to the young woman. It didn't change the world, but it changed her world. You never know when God wants to use you to do something small but magnificent, something that changes the path of another person's life forever. 
Chapters 6 and 7 of 2 Kings contain one of the most powerful examples of what it means to show God's favor. Israel's capital, Samaria, was surrounded by the vast army of an enemy king, Ben-Hadad. The enemy encamped around the city, cutting off all supplies to the starving Israelites. As the people grew weak from hunger, they all looked to Elisha the prophet for a word from the Lord, and the message he gave them was hardly believable. Although the people of the city were starving for lack of food, by the same time the next day, food would be sold in the city for regular prices, there would be plenty. An assistant to Israel's king grew angry when he heard this. He rejected Elisha's prophecy outright, saying, Even if God could open the windows of heaven, could such a thing be? But Elisha answered, No, you're about to see what happens. Eventually, God is going to act on our behalf, that's true, but you personally won't experience it. In other words, Israel would see the Lord demonstrate to them his favor, but the king's assistant wouldn't experience it for himself because he didn't believe God's word initially. While all this took place, four lepers sat far outside the city witnessing the siege. Their affliction prevented them from being inside the city walls, and like their fellow Israelites, they were starving. Finally, they reasoned, if we stay here and do nothing, we'll die. Let's at least go to the enemy camp and beg for scraps. If they kill us, they kill us. But that's better than starving to death out here with no chance at all. Let's set out tomorrow and see what the Lord might do. The next morning, they went to the enemy's camp, and they found it deserted. The Holy Spirit had supernaturally frightened all the soldiers and scattered them. In their hurry to escape, they left behind everything— Food, wine, supplies, medicines, clothes, tents, even gold and silver. As the lepers stumbled onto these treasures, they couldn't believe their good fortune. They were miraculously saved. Imagine the starving men's excitement as they feasted on the amazing food. What a miracle! They'd thought they were finished, gone, as good as dead. But now they were alive again, and they had a heavenly table of God's bounty spread before them. As they filled their stomachs, they told each other, We've got to make sure we keep this stuff safe for ourselves. We should hide it. But one of them answered, No, what we're doing isn't right. How can we feast this way while our brothers and sisters sit starving in the city? This is a day of good news for all of God's people. If we stay silent, punishment will surely overtake us. We need to tell the king what God has done. This leper demonstrated what we all need to know about God's favor. Good news is meant to be shared. Nevertheless, Israel's king was suspicious when he heard the leper's tale. The enemy had oppressed Samaria for so long that it was hard for the king to believe God would move in such a way. So he sent a group of spies into the enemy camp to see if what the lepers said was true. I think a lot of Christians today are like the king. They've lived for so long under a dark cloud that they tend to doubt when they hear something good the Lord has done. They're tempted to give in to cynicism, thinking, I've learned to expect suffering in my life. It's best not to get my hopes up. But of course, the Israelite spies came back saying the leper's story was true. The windows of heaven had indeed opened, and now everyone in the city had all the supplies they needed for themselves and their children, from food to clothes to medicine. Suddenly, the famished Israelites stampeded through the city gates to get food to eat. The king's assistant tried to stop them, but nothing was going to keep God's people from his glorious provision. The assistant ended up getting trampled to death. 
I believe some people today experience a kind of spiritual death like the king's assistant. We waste years living with a false perception of God, believing he purposely withholds his favor, that we're not worthy to receive it. We think persecution and oppression are exactly what we need and deserve. It's for my own good, we reason. Of course, it's important to acknowledge there are times of trial and difficulty in life. But there are also times when God chooses to bless us unexpectedly, and in those times we're to enjoy His blessings without reservation. Paul makes this clear when he says in Philippians 4.12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Many Christians know how to be abased, but they don't know how to abound. They reject the thought that God can heal them when they're sick, that He can deliver them from an addiction, that He can make their marriage a joy instead of a constant hardship. But it's crucial to believe God can heal us, and more importantly, that He desires to. In 2 Corinthians 9.8, Paul promises us, God will generously provide all you need. Note the word all here. That's what the starving people of Samaria experienced. All of their needs were supplied by God in an instant. In fact, they got more than they needed with the enemy army's treasure trove. God's powerful promise of generosity is meant for every believer in every generation. Yet Paul adds a statement that increases the verse's importance. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. If this isn't the same message as the leper story in 2 Kings 7, I don't know what is. God wants to supply all your needs, not some, but all. Because that's His nature, to give generously. And as we, His people, are lavishly blessed by Him, we are meant to give generously to others. Let me point out something very important about the context of this passage. When Paul wrote it to the Corinthians, he was explaining to them the needs of the church in Jerusalem, which was enduring famine and close to starvation. Yet the Corinthians themselves were in need also, teetering on the edge of poverty. Still, Paul urged them to give not based on their ability, but on God's ability to take care of all their needs. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7-9, he told them, Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. The Corinthians and other churches in the region gave as much as they could, despite their own need, to bring aid to their desperate brothers and sisters. It was a major way of showing God's favor. If you think it might be risky or painful to show favor by giving, I want to assure you of this. Whatever you can offer reverberates powerfully. It doesn't matter how small an amount you may give because God multiplies its impact by His power. Whenever we do this, when we give to the needy in His name, they remember it forever, as the verse says. Let me prove it to you. 
If you show God's favor as His Spirit directs you, you'll be blessed to see how far even a small gesture can go. Two decades ago, I was on staff as a pastor at Times Square Church when a young man came into my office. He had moved to New York a few years earlier wanting to be an actor, but things hadn't worked out and he was hustling to make a living. Broke and homeless, he'd ended up dealing drugs. It wasn't what he'd hoped for when he'd brought his dreams to New York and he was embittered by the experience. I told him about God's love for him, but he stopped me in my tracks. It's easy for you to talk about God's love, he said. You're sitting in this nice office, and I'm sure you're paid well. You wear nice clothes, and I know those cowboy boots you're wearing are worth something. I had lived in Texas, and I kept wearing boots to keep some of its culture in my life. But I could see the hurt in this young man. So I decided to do something my father had done years before when he could barely afford to do it. I tell you what, I said. These boots look like they might fit great on you. Why don't you try them on? As I slid the boots off my feet, he looked at me as if I were crazy. He was still slack-jawed as he tried them on, and sure enough, they were a perfect fit. He still hadn't said a word when he stood up and gave me a big hug. He left that day knowing that church people didn't just talk about God's love, they demonstrated it. I knew I could afford another pair of boots, but that wasn't the point. He couldn't afford even one pair. Everywhere this young man walked after that, he was reminded of God's love for him. I found that out two years later when I received a call from a pastor friend in North Carolina named Steve. Gary, I don't think you're going to believe this, Steve said. Do you remember giving away your cowboy boots to a homeless kid in New York? Yeah, I think I do, I said vaguely remembering. Well, he's been wandering around the country ever since, haunted by that one act of love, saying Jesus loves me. He really loves loves me. Right now, he's sitting in my office with tears in his eyes, saying he wants to get right with God. Steve later helped the young man enter a drug rehabilitation program. Before we hung up, he said, shoot, just giving somebody your boots? That's easy. We marveled over how God's kingdom works, that the most powerful, eternal, profound outcomes happen through the simplest acts of love. Showing favor to one bitter person can mean the difference in eternity. God's favor is never meant to end with us. Showing favor means taking hold of the precious resources we're given. Grace, forgiveness, blessing, authority, and bringing them to another person, saying, this would fit perfectly in your life. It's kind of like saying to a broken, dream-shattered homeless kid, these fancy boots would look great on you. Try them on. I believe if the lepers had kept their treasure hidden, their joy would have been short-lived. And I can tell you with authority, if you want joy in your life, don't go around looking for it. Give your life away, and the joy of heaven will follow. What you give will come back to you in a moment when you never thought you'd need it. It's happened for me. In the opening chapter, I told you about the heavy time that my wife Kelly and I went through with the miscarriage of our second child. Nothing on earth can take away the pain of that kind of experience. But a friend of ours did something beautiful for us that raised our sights to Jesus. Melody Green, the widow and ministry partner of the late musician Keith Green, stepped in to pay for the funeral of our little one. All these years later, I've never forgotten what Melody did, and I never will. 
We didn't need the money she offered, but that isn't what stayed with us. What remains today is a loving gesture that said, I stand with you in your deepest pain. That's the sort of selfless, empathetic, showing favor I saw again and again as pastor of the Springs Church. During a sermon, I once spoke about a single mom in need who attended our church. Her husband had abandoned her and her children. Immediately after the service, I was approached by another single mom who was going through the exact same thing and had the same financial need. She took my hand and said, I don't know who she is, nodding toward the woman I'd spoken about, but could you give this to her? I looked down to see a wad of cash pressed into my hand. Others in our congregation caught on to the high calling, and yes, the deeper blessing of showing God's favor. A building contractor heard that the first single mom was looking to further her education so she could find a better-paying job to support her children, and he offered to pay half of her college needs. That same week, another businessman came forward saying he wanted to pay for half of the woman's education. Without knowing it, their combined efforts allowed the woman to go to school full-time. But God's favor for her didn't end there. A woman working in the same field that the mom wanted to study came to me with her own offer. Pastor Gary, I'll take her into work with me until she goes to college. Then, when she's ready to enroll, I'll go with her and show her the classes she needs. All of these givers testify to feeling more blessed than the ones who received their generosity. They feel something unique, and there's a reason for that. You see, when you show God's favor, you take on His very nature, one of joyful, delighted, continual generosity. Do you want spiritual power in your life? Do you want your prayers to be answered? Then show God's favor at every opportunity. When you do, you take on His own nature, and there's no greater blessing than that. You've been listening to Chapter 8 of God's Favor, read by Jason Staples. This podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. World Challenge is incredibly thankful for the support we receive from many people across the country who believe in our mission. We're able to continue creating resources like this podcast because of donations from listeners like you. You can make a donation at worldchallenge.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. Next week on God's Favor, aligning ourselves with God to see our breakthrough. Until then, we hope you're experiencing the life God wants you to have.